0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you
1: You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner, Steve Harmison. So, Test Cricket is back. We'll look ahead to England's first test against Pakistan, which begins on Thursday, and we'll hear from head coach Brendan McCullum and captain Ben Stokes. Jofra Archer discusses his return to action for the first time in 18 months as he featured for the England Lions in a warm-up game in the UAE. And could the 100 be sold for £400 million, no less, or at least 75% of it? We'll discuss that and other business as Justin Langer continues to hit back at Cricket Australia and Joe Root expresses his interest in playing in the IPL. We'll end the show by speaking to former England fast bowler Liam Plunkett as he helps to launch major league cricket in America. So plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Well, the much-anticipated uh, return to Pakistan, Hami. Um, You've been talking about it for months and how hard it's going to be for the bowlers. It is staggering, actually, to think that England have toured Pakistan itself rather than played against Pakistan in the UAE. But they've had seven tours um, to Pakistan, three test matches each, three in a row in the 60s and 70s, were nil-nil draws. And in fact, of the 21 tests England have played in Pakistan... <laughs> 17 have been drawn. England have won two. The first one in 1961 when Ted Dexter was captain and Ken Barrington was scoring runs. And the last one, the famous gloom-dusk victory uh, with Graham Thorpe making an unbeaten 64 in 2000. And Pakistan have only won two as well.
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's a, such a difficult place to go and tour and, play and bowl more than anything else. It's going to be interesting to see how England go on this trip because renowned as the graveyard of fast bowlers and we've got a 41 40 year old, sorry Jim, nearly got it right 40 year old fast bowler um, who is going back for the first time in 17 years um, because he was on the trip I was on in 2005 Um, it's great to see us back in Pakistan, it really is for the people of Pakistan, the supporters of cricket around the world um, it's great to see Pakistan playing international cricket against the big boys in their own back garden um, I'm not sure our bowlers will think that once Motan, um, Pindi and Karachi have, have had their say, but it is a great trip and it's something which never produces really you know, huge results, but it always makes it for fascinating watching because we see a lot of times in in the subcontinent that the game fast forwards in day four and day five. You asked Pat Cummins or Shields of Wood and, and Mitchell Stark a few months ago. Didn't really fast forward for the Aussies when the Aussies went there. So England will be hoping that they can do that. I worry about the England balance of their side, not really having a standout matchman and spinner. Um, and I think we've got to be you know, mindful of that and call it what it is. Jack Leach is not somebody who is going to go through a side and get seven, eight, nine wickets that you know the bowlers from the subcontinent has, has done that. Um, but he'll do a good job, and it's, it's the worry for me is how England potentially win the series and try and take twenty wickets because with no Mark Wood for the first Test match, and I'd be amazed to be players possibly one um, because of the injury track record he's got, and England are potentially only looking to play to potentially playing two seamers, out and out seamers. Then I think it'll be difficult to to go in with two if one of them is with a, an injury track record that is. So there's a lot of fascinating stuff about this series more off the field than on the field but when the cricket starts it'll be good cricket um, and one I'm intrigued to see what the other shape of the England side will
1: be Weight of runs Harmi never mind the wickets the wickets will come under a weight of runs that's, that's how they're going to do it. England are going to score 700 450 on the first day and there's going to be a mountain of runs and of course Brendan McCullum was asked about England's new attacking style of cricket
3: One of the things we'll try and do is we certainly respect the conditions, but at the same time, if we are given an opportunity to try and play aggressive and attacking cricket, then we'll, we'll try and take that option. It's uh, it's authentic to the lineup that we have. The guys who are in our squad, they, that's how they play their cricket, and that's what gives them the most amount of freedom and and the most amount of uh, most the best opportunity to perform at the highest level. So, look, we know that it may not necessarily be. Um, As prominent, the aggressive cricket as what we've seen in the past, but there will be opportunities to try and play positively. And when that does arise, I expect our guys to try and take that
1: on. See, he was trying hard not to wind it back, wasn't he? Uh, (laughs) We we may not be as aggressive, but you see, that's, I mean, it's fearlessness. That's, you know, I mean, how about the inclusion of uh, 18-year-old Legspin of Rian Ahmed? I mean, extraordinary. I mean, as you say, the, the balance of the England squad looks... Unconventional. It doesn't look balanced, but but you know, given the summer England just had, I mean, I, you know, who are we to question? Absolutely, one hundred percent. And
2: I think that it's the mindset that I'm enjoying, and the the positivity that comes out of Brendan and Ben's mouth when they speak. And I'm sure they're doing that when they're in behind closed doors and in the four walls of sanctuary of the dressing room. That they're giving the players freedom to express, and that for me. You've always got a better chance when you do that. If you've got somebody with a free spirit, let them let them let them go. They're gonna make mistakes. Of course they are. Huge mistakes. And England are are gonna have a bump in the road. But you know, fingers crossed that if you keep driving that message of freedom, you've got a good chance of being a team who will play as as comfortably and as closely to the the young boy that was that loved the game inside you. And we've all got that. We all had that. You know, it was just restricted under pressure. Under pressure, whether it was from your your own self putting yourself under pressure, whether it was from captains and coaches wanting to play a certain way and it didn't suit your game, or a media pressure because of you know the scrutiny of international cricket, also form pressure. And I think one thing that Ben and Brendan have tried to do is strip all that back and say, "Look, for that young boy inside you that loved the game, go and play like he he wants you to play." and look, they're going to make mistakes. But if you keep to that that way, they've got a great chance of fulfilling what is, you know, from an individual's point of view, the best player inside yourself. And that, for me, gives England and stands England the best chance. The other thing, the biggest thing that England need to do on this trip is to have, yes, like Brendan says, respect the conditions, but also respect the time in the game. And I think if they do that, have that balance right of, being forceful and being energetic and being aggressive with their their way of thought, then they've got a good chance if they you know, are calculated and when they do that. And I think because they've got a long, and there will be five days, all games will go five days, seizing the moment and understanding when it's time to strike is something that if they get that right, they've got a chance of winning.
1: Okay, As I mentioned, England have added um, Leicestershire's 18-year-old leg-spinning all-round a Rian Ahmed to the squad uh, for the Test Series. He did play for the Lions in that uh, warm-up game. Ben Stokes explained to Sky Sports News why he was added to the Test squad.
4: We've seen him as one of those um, very rare talents. To have someone at such a young age be so noticeable as a cricketer with the way that he bowls and the way that he bats, we saw it as a very good opportunity to, to get him into the uh, squad, get him around the group, get him into the environment. But we're also fully aware that he, he's not the finished project yet. Um, and... Um, I think it's important for for his inclusion not to be, you know, sort of looked into too much. Um, you know, we see this as an opportunity to to get some someone as talented as rian into the squad, sort of nurture him, and, and then hopefully, you know, who knows where we could be in two to three years' time. You no, know, he's fantastic talent. He loves cricket. He just spends all his time like shadow batting in his room. He actually said he was batting against Ollie Robinson in the mirror the night before he played. So he absolutely <laughs> loves it. But um, you know, I'm really excited to to have him into the squad, get him around the group, and and see what he's got. But um, it's also one of those things where if we feel like we we want to chuck him a Test cap, then we're in the position to do that as well.
1: I, I, it's brilliant, isn't it? I, the... Breaking down all the conventions that uh, I I grew up covering cricket with. I mean, as a, they were three day game, and after two days, they were. Well, what do you think, lads? No, no. <laughs> not bother with the last day. It's brilliant! It
2: is. It's brilliant.
1: We've got we've
2: got you've got bowlers who need to be protected. They've done their job. They've, Jimmy got twelve in him. Um, Robinson got twelve in him. Vichy could have bowled possibly a bit more. Overton got ten overs in him. That's enough. Let's get to Pakistan and let's take them on and let's not use them them all up. But if you're Riyad Ahmed, right, and you're a leg spin bowler, I don't think there's ever been a captain of England in the last fifty years better to look after you because the freedom that Ben seems to want to give to his players of being yourself. Then I think from a leg spin bowler's point of view. Because they they need leg spinners need freedom. They need to a chance to express and not worry about being defensive. You're giving it a chance to spin. You're having attacking fields. I'm not sure. Michael Vaughan might have, you know, been the the person that you'd you'd say would be next in line. But I can think of many other captains who one wouldn't have picked him, two, if they did pick him, wouldn't look at him as somebody who is that potentially could win the game for us. A lot of defensive fields. I can see Ben Stokes picking this kid at some point in this series and having slip, short leg, no men out in the deep. And if he bowls a half tracker and gets planted into the stand for six, I can still see the defensive, the, the attacking field in play. And Ben Stokes will probably wouldn't care if he goes at seven and eight and over, if he gets a couple of wickets, because <laughs> Ben will think that is the way a leg spinner should perform in in his team. And I think it's a breath of fresh air, the way these two guys are looking at things, mm. and McCullum and Stokes and Rihanna, sorry, will hopefully will seize his chance, take his chance mm. and what it would give, what we would give to have a second spinner who could bowl leg spin and be an attacking threat. It would be massive for English cricket for me, if
1: if we if he does obviously fulfill the talent he's got. England didn't look after him very, very much in the eight overs that he bowled against them. He went for 73. Yeah-three off his love, eight man. overs. Tough, and he's only a bit of tough, Love. <laughs> he's only played three first class games. But I agree. I mean, it's it is it is seriously exciting. And of course, when he came out to bat, he I think he hit four boundaries in his first six deliveries, he hit his first ball for four. So he's uh, to certainly buying into to Brendan McCullum. Well, let's turn our attention to Jofra Archer then. Fantastic to to see him back after uh, such a, an extended, almost eighteen months, isn't it? Uh, he's been out with injury now. He's also signed uh, for the Mumbai Indians franchise in the SA Twenty, based in Cape Town. So I'll be having him around for a bry, and then he's going to play in the uh, in the ODI series as well, which is in the middle of that T uh, Twenty tournament. But anyway, let's hear
0: from the from the, the man himself. It's been probably about 18 months, you know, since my last game and, you know, being back here in Abu Dhabi, in and around the guys, it's kind of heartwarming, makes you feel like like you're at home again, you know, seeing some familiar faces, you know, seeing Danny, seeing all the boys again. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm so glad to be back and, you know, this is a big year as well, you know, we just won the T20, we got the 50 over coming up, so hopefully I get a chance to help defend the title.
1: Joffre Archer, referring to England's media officer, Danny Rubin, uh, who is a brilliant um, human being, by the way. Um, so there's Jofra. Zach Crawley made uh, 96, and uh, he, I think he'll play a really important role. I mean, it's uh, up front, the wickets are so flat. I mean, Michael Atherton always said, if there's one country you want to be an opening batsman in it, it's Pakistan. Um, and then Ollie Pipe's captaincy as well. Yeah, it was great to see Jofra back. Do you know what the good thing about the
2: last sort of week or so is, yeah, Joffre back and it's great to see him playing cricket again. But the message that came out of the ECB, whether it was from Ben and Brendan or it was from Rob Key above, or they told you what's going to happen with Joffre. That would never normally happen. You wouldn't in bygone days. It would be the back player. And we're going to stay tight-lipped. It's siege mentality. We'll, we'll tell you when he's going to play when it's close at the time. Jofra's coming back after 18 months out, and he signs a contract to go play for for Mumbai in Cape Town. And a lot of people would have been going, "Oh, well, he's just he's just come back because the IPL's coming and franchising this that, and that." And then, literally seconds later, it's this is the pathway for Jofra to be back in the England team. He's going to play two games in Cape Town. He's going to play three. He's going to be available for three ODIs. He's not going to New Zealand. We're going to try and get him ready for the Ashes. Now, that would never have been said. Years, years ago, obviously the IPL in the middle of it. They would have been really, really tight lit, but now you see there's the communications that's coming out of the building at Lords is positive, right? We're going to tell you what is going to happen with Jofra. There's nobody going to have negative thoughts about Jofra Archer only getting back fit because the IPL is looming. No, it's not. This is what's going to happen. We're trying to get him fit for the Ashes. We see him as a key component in winning the Ashes. We're going to make sure by the time he gets the first test match in June, Next year, he is going to play the relevant cricket to get himself in a position to take on Australia. That, for me, was a breath of fresh air. And it was as much as good just seeing Jofra back in an England shirt sure, because he is somebody who you know we desperately need, not only to get fit, but to go back to the top if we want to be the best team in the world in all formats. We need Jofra Archer. We do. We need Mark Wood fit. We are short of somebody with an X factor away from home to win us matches. And it was great to see the boy back.
1: Yep, it certainly was. And uh, on the subject of Mark Wood, in case anybody hasn't heard, he's not fit for the first Test match, but England are optimistic that he will be fit for the second. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler, Steve Harmison. Right then, this news that the 100 could be sold, 75% of it anyway. Uh, A private equity firm has apparently offered uh, £400 million to the ECB. And, uh, well, gosh... I, I don't know, Hammy. if you had 400 million quid, would you be interested in buying three quarters of the hundred? If
2: I could get three quarters of it, yes, because I'd turn it into a
1: 2020 competition, to be <laughs> honest. If
2: if I really had that sort of cash to to throw around like that, I think there's a lot of coincidence that a high-performance review in Andrew Strauss went kibosh and one of few other things have been thrown around from the county's point of view, that there's this big money offer on the table. I'd be very, very surprised if the ECB want to give 75% away. The window is obviously shorter next year. It's not going to coincide with any cricket from an international point of view. So there was always in the back of your mind that this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to sell the franchises, trying to sell the 100. But I'd be very, very surprised if it's not, if it's any more than 49% goes over to a private equity firm moving forward because I don't think they'd want the egg on the face for the ECB would be if, if somebody turned it straight into a 2020 competition. But it's positive. Look, it is positive. We have had our issues, manners with the 16.4 competition, which I've been criticised many times before. Um, and I think that cropped up a couple of times in my my interview when I was interviewed for the selectors that my role of pundit talking about the 100 I think it might have had an issue with working for the ECB. Look, I've got no problem whatsoever with what the game is. Best playing against the best, bigger crowds, new audience, money thrown at it. Who wouldn't like that? My problem was the, the collateral damage towards the rest of the game, and that will take time. Four or five years, I can see both. I see the 100 the if it is a 2020 competition, fit into the English system because I think they've got to get hand-in-hand hand with the Blast. Have to. You know, working with the Blast, I think, is so important um, for this, this competition to survive, um, or cricket in this country like that to survive. So what I will say is it's positive. It's a positive story that we are going to have a huge amount of money coming to English cricket in the next, I think, three to five years. That will hopefully keep county cricket alive, because that's what in, that's what the, the sort of the doom and gloom mongers are are worried about. So look, it's a step. It's a first step. It's, a, it's an offer on the table. But you'd never ever accept the first offer that comes. It'll be interesting to see where this goes because we'll never ever rival the IPL. But some of the monies that when they get sold, franchise wise. I think four hundred million pounds is a drop in the ocean. To be
1: honest, well, the last franchise that was sold by the IPL went for 800 million, uh, 964 million dollars, which is just a just a couple of bar below <laughs> below eight hundred million, and that was for one franchise. Mm-hmm. So, um, Richard Thompson, the ECB chairman, did a uh, gave a fantastic interview to Ali Martin in the Guardian. And he said, uh, we're not going to go too early. It's only two years old. We can't get greedy. We have to see it play out. Uh, the worst thing would be to do something too early, then see the value go through the roof and you've lost out and someone else benefits. It's important to let it grow and develop first. So um, it doesn't look like he's going to snap. Yeah, the hand I, off that. Yeah, I get that.
2: I really do. And the, this is the fine balance between the two, because at this minute in time we are getting, 15 to 20,000 at each game's new audience kids coming in women coming in the women's cricket has been fantastic for the growth of the game but at what point does it go the other way and people start getting a bit sick of it or people not of the, the novelty is wearing off because cricket is such a such a game where you know you can you can sort of switch off from it and i think if that happens and when does then it start devaluing the product? So I think that's going to have a huge bearing on the fact that when the 100 gets sold. And I look at, look, let's be fair. I look at Richard Thompson and Richard Gould, and I trust them that they will make the best decision going forward for cricket because they are, they are county men. And they're also good businessmen. And you look at the way Surrey have been run over the, the course of the last 10, 15 years. I think we've got two very, very good men at the helm to make sure that we get the best deal possible for our great game.
1: Yeah. And I think, uh, as you say, we we mentioned several times, they are very, very good men and will uh, make the right decision. We've got a lot to get through um, quickly here. Hassan Ali signed for Warwickshire uh, for the first couple of months of the 2023 season. Martin Guptill, for those of you who may have missed this, has also been released, becomes the third New Zealand player to ask to be released from their national contract. Colin de Grandhomme and uh, Trent Bolt being the first two. Joe Root has expressed an interest in playing I- in the IPL with a with a view to, uh, I don't know, familiarising himself with uh, Indian conditions ahead of the 2023 World Cup. Do you think he'll be signed up?
2: Yeah, I think he will. I think he will. And I've been saying about Joe
1: Root going to the IPL for
2: like three or four years. The biggest thing when he relinquished the captaincy, it should have been straight into the IPL auction because he's missed out because he's he's wanted to be the best leader for England possible when he was captain. So I have no problem with Joe Root going in the IPL. I think everybody else has had a go at it. Why shouldn't Joe? I think he'd be fantastic at it. I think he will also prove what an unbelievable T20 team we've got because when you watch Joe Root in the IPL, I think you'll realise that he is probably the best. For me, he is the best multi-format player we've got and he is a very, very good 2020 player. It would not surprise me if he ends up at the Sunrisers And he takes over from Kian Williamson, who I probably would think with a Stephen Fleming connection um, and the way Chennai Super Kings look at their model, older players, more experienced players, it'd be interesting to see if Kian ends up at um, Chennai Super Kings and possibly leads them after Dhoni finishes this year. So watch that one for me. I think that is possibly one move I would look to, to keep an eye on. I think... I think Williamson will go to Chennai, and I think Root possibly will go to the Sunrisers and and take over from the Kane Williamson role.
1: And your old mate Shervnerine Chandapal's son tagnarine scored a hundred for the West Indies. That must make you feel old. Your teammates' it's sons very are now old, scoring hundreds. Very, very old
2: manners. Very old. Um, I a couple of messages to Shiv, you know, congratulating him when when his son got picked. I'll send him another one to wish the boy all the best in Australia because. It's fantastic to see Shiv was Shiv's a great man, one of the best players that's that I have ever played with, Um, and he was an absolute bowler's dream. He was because if Shiv got in, you knew for a fact you had at least sixty overs without even contemplating putting your boots on, because that man could bat and he could bat for a long, long time. And if he's sunk him back for a quarter of that time, he'll have a very, very good career for the West Indies. And good luck to him in Australia.
1: And finally, um, Justin Langer's. uh relationship with Cricket Australia and the team, his former team, still seems to be strained. Yeah, he he really ought to consider shutting up now and and not saying anything more. Uh, The first test against West Indies is being played in Perth, his hometown, and Western Australians apparently have boycotted. They've sold less than 2,000 tickets for the the first day because they all think that Justin Langer was wronged. Um, He called the players cowards, for for speaking out behind his back to the media, and then in the same breath said that he still mates with all of them. Anyway, he was chatting. He was chatting uh, to Will Schofield and Dan Const on the Back Chat podcast. Here's a bit of it. Everyone was being nice to my face, and I was reading about it, this stuff, and half of it. I swear to God on my kids' lives, I was like, I cannot believe. This is one making the papers. I've got a belief. There's, You know, you hear a lot of journalists use the word source. A source says. Mm -hmm. I would say, change that word for coward. A coward says. Not a source because what do you mean a source says? They've either got an axe to grind with someone and they won't come and say it to your face or they're just leaking stuff for their own agenda. I hate that. The hardest thing for me of all of it was I got the feedback. I did something about it. We won the T20 World Cup. We won the Ashes. We we're number one in the world. I've never enjoyed coaching more. I still got sacked. <laughs> that's Justin Langer speaking to Will, Will Schofield and Dan Const on the on the Backchat podcast. It doesn't occur to him, it seems, Harmy, that um, the reason that people didn't go and speak to him is that they'd, well, he'd rip their head off. Yeah. That yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: it was an in, that's an interesting way of looking at it from Alfie's point of view. He's, he's a strong character as Justin and, I don't mind that, to be honest. I really don't. I quite like that. I'd rather people tell me me first than 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 tell me behind somebody else. Tell me behind my back. I think you sleep better at night when you work with work towards that. I think that's the where Langer, the way Justin looks at his outcome in life is. I go to bed and sleep soundly at night because if I don't like something, I'll tell you what it is. Look at Langer. Where does he end up? Does he end up in the IPL? Quite possibly. What he said there right at the very end resonate should resonate with anybody that wants to employ a very, very good coach. He won the Ashes, he won the t 20 World Cup and his team were the best team in the world at the time. He just sometimes, you know, is too honest for his own good. I can I can understand that, I must admit. <laughs> um, but it would be nice to see him back in the game because you just listen to his passion. He's a very, very passionate person that loves the game of the cricket. He was a tough man to play cricket against. And he, if you're in if he's in your corner, He looks and sounds as though he's somebody who will back you to the hilt. Got no problem with that. So
1: interesting to see where he ends up next. Well, he's going to be commentating uh, this Australian summer. Um, He's got a a gig in the commentary box. Um, You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former number one bowler in the world, Steve Harmison. Next up, we'll speak live to former England bowler Liam Plunkett as he helps to launch the inaugural Major League Cricket in the USA.
5: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
0: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June
1: You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can always download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm delighted to say we're joined live by uh, Liam Plunkett from Philadelphia to talk about one of the burning subjects in world cricket at the moment, which is uh, Major League Cricket. Now, I have to say that uh, for 20 years at least, that I can remember, there's been talk about cricket taking off in America. Uh, There have been many attempts in order to make that happen. This time, I get a real sense, Liam, that it is going to happen. Do you share that sense of optimism?
3: Yeah, I think it's now or never with what's going behind on behind the scenes and the money that's getting invested with the, with the people that are investing. I feel like if it didn't work now, then it's not going to work going forward. But, uh, yeah, it, it's exciting, to be honest with you. Obviously, growing up in, in the UK and, and the cricket side of things, England's a great place for that. But you're always picking over the over the pond, looking at all the uh, the big uh, NFL and Major League Baseball and NBA. America knows how to do it, right, when it comes to sport. So I hope we can jump on the back of that and... Uh, follow suit in terms of the entertainment side. The structures that are getting put in place for Major League Cricket are also exciting. I was down in Dallas uh, last weekend for the launch of Major League Cricket. The stadium's coming on. Hopefully that's going to be good to go early next year. And obviously we'll have uh, the Major League comp that starts there.
2: And Liam, I've known you since you were 12, 13-year-old. Um, obviously the career you had, World Cup winner. Um, but there was something significant happened around about sort of 2010, 11 where you met girlfriend and now wife, and that's what's dragged you across to America and getting things going. How excited are you? And what's the role for Liam Plunkett in Major League Cricket?
3: Yeah, as you said, obviously meeting Amelia way back when, to think that I'd be playing cricket in America at all in 15 years' time, (laughs) never mind the Major League kicking off an armour, a big part of that. It's it's unbelievable, to be honest with you. In terms of the role, I think everyone at Major League Cricket is like a Swiss army knife. I uh, signed as a player, a coach, logistics, uh, manager. I'm a bit of like uh, a Duncan Fletcher, Phil Neal. It's uh, <laughs> <Mike Bourne. laughs> like, uh, no, honestly, it's so exciting because there's so much to do here in terms of cricket. So my role is I can I can coach at the local academy, which, which is good for me because Philadelphia is home now. Uh, so it's nice to see that infrastructure getting built. And then apart from that, I'll do a couple, like maybe 10 to 15 hours work there. And then I'll get taken away with uh, Major League if they've got some some launches or some whatever that whatever they've got going on. But my main role is like a national development coach. So the infrastructure here is not quite ready yet. Uh, you got pockets of uh, facilities which you can use. There's more getting built as as we speak. So in in the winter, when there's not much cricket on, I'll try and get <clears throat> the guys together and find the best uh, facilities. So I've been in charge of the Major League players. I think there's 40 to 50 guys. So, how do we represent or recreate like a good training environment? There's one got built in uh, Maryland. Uh, it just got built last week. So I managed to get 10 of the guys down there and do like a three-day camp. So that's what they're craving. They, they just need the craving like good competition against guys like themselves, really. Because we're fortunate back home. We can rock up to Durham or wherever you were and have good net sessions, but that's quite hard to get here. So that's my main role right now. I can go on for a bit longer, but I'll probably run out of time. So
2: just interesting when you said that Duncan Fletcher, Phil Neal and extras into one. You made their life hell as much as I made their life hell. Is there, what's the sort of standard of cricket like? And have you found any? Liam Pumpkins, Steve Armisen, that from like the northeast of England. That is there any pockets like that in and around the States where you can tap into?
3: I think that's right now is what we're trying to find out. Uh, we, we signed a lot of guys from overseas. So the T10 going on now, we've got a few of the guys over there playing. Uh, but they're their guys have come across from other... Uh, like New Zealand or South Africa. Uh, so they're the guys that played probably 50 to first-class games back home. So they're probably already established. They've took an opportunity to come across and start a new, a new path. The years you've got a lot of guys that are, are popping up now When you go and watch under 15 to 17, there's a not a lot of natural talent. But I think over here right now, I think it does stop at a certain age because a lot of them love cricket, come from India, Pakistan uh, background. So the dads love cricket or the family loves cricket. So they'll teach them to a certain level. And they'll be as good as anyone in the world at 13 years old here. But like, how do you get to the next step? So you need obviously people coming in, coaches coming in to give them that advice to to show them like how we sort of got coached and how do we get to the high performance level. And I think that's what the step is here. They're missing that little bit. And obviously with what's coming on now with the, the academies popping up all over America, I think that'll uh, uh, develop in the next few years.
1: Liam, it's a fascinating story. I mean, I've been trying to follow it, but there's uh, so much information that i'm not clear about um, so there was minor league cricket maybe you can give us some background on that now we've got major league cricket uh the tournament's going to be played in dallas texas i've read stories about old baseball stadiums being renovated and yeah. um and turned into into cricket venues so so uh, some background how many teams will there be and the tournament will be played i think between six teams in july next year the inaugural mlc
3: yeah, six teams would be Dallas, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., Seattle, and New York City. <clears throat> They're going to be the, the main guys, and a lot of them franchises will be taking over IPL owners and other guys who have invested money. So that's obviously the big show, the uh, the glitz and the glamour. Underneath that, you have the minor league team. Uh, off my head when you said I'm not absolutely an expert, but there's like 20, <laughs> 25 minor league teams who play across the states in each regional division, a bit like the American sports is structured. Uh, so that was my first introduction last year, which was definitely uh, entertaining, playing in some beautiful facilities and also not some beautiful facilities. So it's uh, it was definitely an eye opener. But but the cricket's good. I mean, each year it gets better. The minor league teams have generally four or five first class players. And then you have to play a U21 an under 21 and uh, under 19, which is great for obviously youth development. And obviously next year, people come locals. I'll become a local in terms of I can play as a local for the, the minor league team. I run overseas as a local. And then you can bring in another two overseas. So each year it's going to get more stacked and the cricket's going to be better, which obviously helps USA cricket because the guys who are born here who can play for USA cricket are playing against better standard of opposition, which will obviously improve their game. Uh, so that's where the minor leagues are. It was a good competition this year. Next year, obviously, go ahead, but it's split, so we'll start that. I think we'll play the first round, and then the, it'll get paused for the Major League comp, and then we'll finish the playoffs in the final after the Major League finishes in July 30th.
1: There's a lot of... You, you talked about investment. Um, I mean, there's such a proliferation of um, domestic T20 leagues around the world at the moment. Is there a place for, for this? Um, is that is there enough money to to compete with the likes of the new tournaments that are starting in the UAE and and South Africa and, well, everywhere, really?
3: I think the years, we're very lucky that we have got a, a built-in base in terms of people who've come across in terms of yeah, Indian families, the demographic from the subcontinent. There's always people involved in cricket. As you said, I've been coming across here for a, a very long time, and I didn't know cricket existed for the first 10 to 11 years. But then when I got introduced to it with the minor league, major league, it's everywhere, really. Every weekend that there's cricket going on. I'm sure the 120 teams plus, 130 teams plus in Philly. And, uh, yeah, I just think with the IPL owners putting their name behind it and the amount of money that's going behind it, and I think it will be successful, you need to get the best players in. The facilities have to be good. It's no, There's no point in having a good stand and then the wicket's not very good and it's 80 all out or you can't hit the ball into the stand. If we want to get uh, new fans engaged in terms of people who are born and bred here or being involved uh, outside of cricket... We want them to get them in. We want to see the ball going into the stand. I, I honestly don't mind if it's off me because I won't be playing for much longer. So.
2: <laughs> well, somebody who was quite you not know, used to getting a hit in the stand was uh, myself. And I'm thinking of more about the how you keep the, the cricket going once you get it off the ground. You mentioned about IPL owners coming in and the infrastructure and stuff like that. Over here in football, soccer what you have in, in the States... There's a lot of young, young kids, 18, 19, 20, go over to, to America to do like the scholarship and the college system. Is cricket going to get into that college system? Because it seems to be, yeah, you know, all the top golfers are from the college system, all the top NFL players, college system, basketball players, footballers, soccer players, college system. Is cricket going to be taken in that? Because it just seems if they if they get you know, a lot of young kids in the infrastructure there. And that's got a decent chance of 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 helping US cricket.
3: Absolutely, mate. I think it's it's definitely talks that's going behind behind the, the background. Why why would we not? If we can get that platform here, and as you said, it starts with now. If you can get that up in the on TV and everyone's watching it, it becomes exciting, and we get that big gravitation from the local communities. Why wouldn't you do that? They used to do the football camps in the states where people fly across. The, the same with with the cricket, but it's just then again, it's going to take time because the facilities need to be put in place. So I think when we start building these facilities, not just the main stadiums, but you need the guys that are around that. You need uh, like good club grounds, the good minor league grounds. Once they're put in place, I think then it'll attract more kids. Because there's no point in bringing people over and the facilities are not there because the cricket wouldn't be good enough. But but definitely, me I definitely it's something that we'll look into. And it's probably uh, as you said, I'm not an expert. A lot of conversations have gone up higher on the chain than me, so I'm sure they're talking about all that stuff.
2: In the um, the World Cup. The World Cup in twenty twenty four? Is it the co-host with America uh, with the West Indies? That's got to be massive for US cricket. If you get this off the ground and the facilities start taking off, and then all of a sudden a World Cup comes, is that is that the, the springboard that US cricket needs to then with the IPL owners? Because it, it, we've all been saying, like Man has said right at the very start, if you get cricket into America, this game. The ceiling level is just endless. It's 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 ceilingless. Um, from a height point of view, um, is that the is that the big the big stage? Is it getting things off the ground? But we've got to nail the World Cup, and if we nail the World Cup, we've got cricket in America.
3: Absolutely, the product needs to be good, doesn't it? As I said, the wickets have to be good. If the World Cup's on and all eyes are watching, you have big teams playing in America. Ideally, you want some of the big guys playing, and people are watching, and it's a high-scoring, entertaining game. But you have to put an American twist on it and how, how it's run in terms of like the crowd and the stadiums and you doing the $1 hot dogs and all that good stuff. That's what will make it different, right? That's more appealing. That's people want to just come me. You. <laughs> you just got me for a $1 hot dog. I'll make sure there's some pork scratchings, mate. <laughs> uh, but it, but uh, yeah, de- definitely. It. When I used to obviously fly in way back when, 10, 15 years ago, so when I do now, there's so many uh, football soccer fields in 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 America now compared to these to be the baseball and uh, American football. It, it spread like wildfire after that World Cup in the, in the 90s, uh, which you probably know a lot more than me. But that's uh, the idea is to get onto the World Cup, get onto the big stage and people gravi- gravitate towards it. Get into local communities, it, each pocket different. I don't know what's going on in each sort of state or each where each minor league team's, uh, located but I can only speak for the Philadelphian side we've had interest from a lot of the school boards to have cricket in the curriculum which is, is obviously great to get that in the kindergarten get kids knowing what a cricket ball is what a cricket bat is that's obviously the first step for us and we've had a lot of interest which is obviously exciting.
1: What do you reckon the interest level is amongst I don't know whether I should say Native Americans uh, that I don't mean that I mean American Americans who've grown up watching uh, American football and and uh, and baseball is it the uh, communities from traditional cricket playing countries or do you think there is a market amongst um those who have <laughs> been baseball fans for generations
3: uh, exactly the, the question when I, I think i asked the same question i think we have to be clever and, and smart with the way we promote that promote it i think you that's what you do you open it up uh to not just but obviously in terms in terms of the uh corporate world you invite corporate events to, to the games and show them what it is and uh, as a package and gets more eyes on it but it is a tricky one we have the cricket academies here where I, as you said it I think it's just people who were born here the Americans that were born here who were not aware of cricket is you see them popping up in the academies as ex, some exciting kids I was down in DC this week and there was a 14 year old uh, guy who got involved in cricket because he was inv- uh, put into his school as a tape ball competition uh, so you've got kids playing who, who pop up like six six foot four 14-year-olds bowling 80-odd clicks miles an hour. It's exciting. So these big kids, because if you think of in terms of sports here, they do it well and from a young age. So you actually get unbelievable athletes. So if you can pick a few of these who've who've got to a point in baseball or basketball or American football, where they're just like, I don't want to play it anymore. you can grab a few of them who are absolute specimens of kids, get them into the academies and ball in 102 miles an hour, then that's it. that's the idea.
1: So if you um found a sixteen year old pitcher who was uh, delivering at 150 kilometers an hour, would you take him to one side and say, now try to do that with a straight arm?
3: I would try, but you could also get a two hundred million dollar contract in baseball. So i <laughs> quite tricky to get them across but uh it, it's fun I, I was training for for myself for my cricket reasons i was there's a facility called ascent which does a lot of minor league and major league baseballs uh baseballers who, who are in the off season and you mess around with some of these guys and, and they try it uh it's, it's completely different isn't it that, that movement it's it's a lot easier for us because throwing's in our game but for them to do that motion it, it looks so un, unnatural for them it's like well, you forget kids in England when you're teaching the kids. It's a throwing; they all start throwing. It's tricky to get that ball in action. So sometimes you come across here, and I can be overcritical of why the kids got a bent arm. But then I forget that's what how it is in England as well. So it's uh, getting the right coaching structures for the kids early is massively important to get them really early when they're a sponge. So is there
2: much options for coaches around the world coming into? The states and and helping out with that, you know, will the ICC help with that because they've got a World Academy, and you're thinking if, the world, if they've got a World Academy which is based in Dubai, can they send coaches across to, to America to help get their, the message across about teaching teaching kids the skills and also, you know, from an England point of view, we're not that far away, six hours on a plane, getting getting you know, good English coaches across there in the in the time off. To try and drive the game forward and, and potentially pick up one of these you know, one or two of these young, uh, young players.
3: I think it is. I mean, it's a time and a place because you always want to have access to the best coaches in the world. I keep telling everyone here, England's the best cricket team in the world, so why wouldn't they listen to me all the time, right? That's, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. But it's, you want people here for longevity. Sometimes you don't want people popping in and out for a month and then you don't see that coach and you don't build a relationship. But you can have times where they do come in for a high performance camp or a, a two or three week camp. But yeah, it'd be nice to get people who from UK or other countries who have an expertise in coaching or just the knowledge of playing international cricket to get them across, and they do buy into it and they want to do something in a lifetime change. Sorry, a lifestyle change and move the family here and invest in it. There's definitely opportunity and scope for that. So it's just, uh, I, I think that'll come early next year when we're building for the major league, I think the more coaches who have the knowledge of playing, maybe emerging cricket and are used in, we dealing with people on this platform. Uh, that, that'd that be the best way for us. I
5: think
1: this may be a question for people on a different pay grade to you, but I'd like your opinion. I'm really fascinated by your opinion about the player draft in, in February. So um, if you're building a, a new T20 tournament, you're pitching it to traditional cricket markets um, so when you have a player draft, you want player auction, you want the big names. You want your Josh Butlers and your Joffra Archers. Will that be the same in February with this player auction? I mean, if 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 the main market is the home market, the American market, and obviously it will be picked up and it will be televised elsewhere around the world. But how do you see that, the six teams going about that player auction? Who who will they be after?
3: I mean, the guys are available. As I said, it's also appealing for international players to come across and play in something brand new in America who knows what that can open up for them guys as well we will, we want them to come but as you said if it if I was in the UK and I got offered three weeks for a good chunk of change why would I not go to America and try it out we don't know if guys come across build a relationship and if cricket does blow up massive then there could be obviously uh, financial rewards for a lot of these guys uh, but I feel like the franchises, uh, the auctions will be done similar to, to, to you see with the IPL and PSL and all, all that good stuff, the 100s. So. In that
2: auction draft, you're you looking at teams that are going to be ownership from the IPL. Are they going to be tapping it? Are they going to be bringing their whole shooting match with them? Or will they be looking to tap into people who understand you know, major and minor league cricket? I think what I mean is if Mumbai Indians come over... You know, their big wigs will come over, but will they employ people from within the US system to pick the players in a draft, to work on the infrastructure in and around that, that area where they've got their franchise? Or will you do you envisage that the Indians will bring in their business model with their business people from around the world?
3: I think they will bring people in, but it makes sense just to say if I'm on the East Coast, it makes sense for people like myself to link up with a, a franchise. I'm here 12 months of the year. I know the minor league, the major league players. I can scout all these guys and have an eye on them. I'm going to be training a lot of them. So it makes sense for people like myself. You have guys like uh, Rusty Theron, obviously South African. uh, Fastball, he's doing similar to, or same as my role, but on the West Coast and majority uh, the East Coast. So you have people who are based here. It makes sense for them to use their knowledge and day-to-day training of these guys and passing on that knowledge to to the franchises. But I guess each franchise will be different. Some might want their own. Some might want to tap into... To, to the knowledge we have here,
1: sometimes that can be a bit slow, Liam. Um, but 20 minutes ago, you said that you could now play as a local. Um, mm. It's just suddenly occurred to me that might we see you playing for the USA in the T20 in the in the 2024 <laughs> T20 World Cup?
3: No, definitely not. Unless the keeper wants to stand up and it takes me <laughs> back to playing for uh, Middlesbrough thirds where the keeper stood up. So I'm not sure about that, mate. Uh, no, I, I said when I first signed that that wasn't my. Uh, Reason. My reason was to be involved in Major League cricket to play a year or two uh, and then obviously help guys come through. Uh, obviously, <clears throat> having some some sort of name in cricket helps a little bit of promotion, right? That That's the, uh, one of the benefits of me coming across for the Major League, uh, showing the guys how to train smart and be like a professional around uh, franchise cricket. But if kids are coming through, like I don't understand in the way. I'd rather be training uh, some guys who then become a lot better than me and me step out of the way gladly. I'm not sure in terms of the USA cricket. We want to prepare our guys, make the guys as good as they can. So when it comes to playing for USA, we've got a huge pool of players who've played first-class cricket, have been playing in the major league competition, playing against the best in the world, and then you might see America. Uh, so U- USA starting to play some good, solid cricket and it's sort of uh, creeping up the rankings there.
1: Are you confident that the USA team can, as co-hosts, compete, like properly compete in the in the 2024 World Cup? I mean, they've they've beaten Ireland and Scotland, haven't they?
3: They're playing in Namibia right now. I think they won a couple of the ODIs there. So it's... We've got some good players. I'll see them day to day, but I'm not fully involved with USA cricket, to be honest with you. Uh, That's sort of a different sort of branch of USA cricket. I'm with Major League. Uh, I tap into some of the USA players if they're in the courtship pods that I'm looking after. But I'm not... Yeah, I think we're just trying to produce the best major league cricket the best minor league cricketers and then that feeds into usa cricket and that that's uh they're sort of running that thing uh for them really so
4: in this in this
2: you know the the team tournament franchise tournament will that work with you know the, the cpl's not far away over the water um can you see that working hand in hand as well
3: yeah, I don't know. Honestly, how mate, If I had uh, the answers, I'd tell you. Maybe that's things that they're speaking about. But if you've got good cricket just over the water, as in as in the Caribbean, you got some. Obviously, the CPL flies off. Maybe it's something you're linking with down the line. It's going to make the product better. Better cricketers across here, and maybe that's where you go across a bit like the NFL. The NFL do to to London, right, or Germany, or Mexico, whatever they're doing now. Uh, you sort of open it a little bit, and it becomes a a big thing. But yeah, the better. The better cricketers we have, the better access to stadiums and better competition, That's, I think they're going to be all for them.
1: Liam, you sound completely invigorated by, by this project. You, you you look and sound so enthusiastic. And I, I remember you weren't the only one to have been surprised by the speed with which you were <laughs> discarded after be, uh, playing a major part in, in winning the World Cup in, in 2019. Is that now firmly behind you? As I said, you just sound so... Enthusiastic and invigorated by this.
3: To be honest with you, it's yeah. It, it's just the way that was handled. That's all I ever said. It was just the way it's handled. I don't mind making way. Like I said just a minute ago, for people coming through the sea. It, it's an organisation. At the end of the day, it's a, a machine. They're going to keep bringing the the best players through. I think it was just the way that it was dealt with. You just if I got tall point blank on the spot, listen, you, you've been great. We appreciate everything that's gone on. Uh, we're going to make way. This is our uh, the next in line. I would have been yeah. I'm disappointed, but it's just the way that was dealt with. Obviously, I watch the World Cup uh, like you guys. I'm excited for the guys that have come in. It's great to see them win another World Cup. So it's yeah, f- fully behind me. You don't want to you don't want to mess up too much ties just in case something pops up down the line, right? You don't. You know. <laughs> yeah. Even if it was still disappointing, I'm not going to tell you, anyways. So. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to
2: you're not going to go on a radio program and burn bridges like I do most week talking to mates. <laughs> but look, uh, England is your home. Yeah, you know, you've. Got a great name in this country, a World Cup winner, you know, championship winners, um, medals and stuff like that, played at some you know big counties, huge counties. What have you made in the last sort of year and, year and a bit from you know from a distance on how the English game's going? there was a lot of talk about high performance reviews, county cricket, the England cricket team where it's at, the 100, all this stuff's been happening while you've been on the other side of the world. Um, but I'm sure you've had a keen eye on on what's been happening.
3: A little bit. I've not gone too much in detail. I've just been trying to watch the cricket and how good the cricket's been in terms of with Stokes he's taken over. I've just been, yeah, not the sort of the political side. Uh, I want to see the game being successful in England as much as possible. I like watching the 100. There's a lot of talk about that and stuff, but I also like test cricket. So there's, there's a lot behind that, right, and people playing just white ball. And yeah, there's so much, uh, so much stuff going on, mate. But for me, I I have stood back a lot. I feel like i have fully invested here. I've just watched, when cricket's on, I'll watch it, not went into too much detail. I've just thought, yeah, I'm I'm good. Give myself a break from the English cricket a little bit in terms of the county side. Uh, Probably a bit like you when you step away, I'll probably look at the, uh, how did Yorkshire, how did Durham, how did Surrey do, uh, how did England do? And then I'll just put my phone away and I'll check the day after. But that's about it.
2: I mentioned a bit earlier, I've known you since you were sort of 13 year old somebody that you've been close to for you know, a hell of a lot of time um, in that upbringing, was Ben Stokes. What have you met of his, his short time as captain of, of England? And I'm sure you'd have loved playing. But I've, I've said it for ages, I'd have loved playing. I was a sort of bowler that just wanted to play in that environment. And I think you were the same.
3: hundred percent. I think he's obviously learned a lot from Morgs. Why wouldn't you? He's, he's come out and told you, told people, told the press that Morgs was an unbelievable captain. And that's the way that Stokes is. If you've got someone there willing to dive full length and smash himself into the boards or ball through pain and, <clears throat> and take it on the chin, he's the captain that you want to play under. He leads by example. He's laid back and passionate. I think if you guys very level-headed, not like him as a sometimes as a young cricketer, when you see him punching walls and all that good stuff, I think he <laughs> uses uh, his aggression in the right way now. He knows how to control it. Uh, he probably just takes his aggression out when he's batting the way he played in the test cricket, where he was trying to tee off early doors. Uh, but yeah, he's when you listen to him now, he, he thinks about the game a lot more. He, he speaks a lot of sense, which he didn't used to, which is always nice. He's, he's grown up as a lad, so it's, uh, it's great to see.
1: I've got two quick questions for you. Um, the first is about Gareth Batty and his success at uh, Surrey, having been appointed <laughs> head coach, winning the championship in his first season. Uh, your reflections on that. And also... Uh, no, your wife's American, and that b- began your relationship with uh, America. I'd like to know how come you haven't even picked up a tiny tinge of accent.
2: Northerner, he's a Northerner. Northerners don't; they just speak <laughs> lower, so they have, have to repeat themselves. Come on, man! As you work with me for a year and a half,
3: <laughs> yeah, do you know why it's like? Yeah, I remember when I was uh, used to go and play. Uh, or oh, people used to go and play club cricket in Australia and they'd come back, like someone from Sunderland, and they'd be like, start speaking with an Aussie accent. I'm like, that sounds so bad. What's going on? And, so, and day, I'm like, I ain't going to change. I'm not going to change. Make sure I watch uh, I'll be the same pet every other night to keep my accent <laughs> on so, uh, uh, In terms of the Gareth back- unbelievable <clears throat> towards the back end, obviously the three years I was there, it was the World Cup year and then COVID hit, uh, so it wasn't too much cricket and I was away from the ground a lot, but... Bat, he was always always there putting in hard work. He, he was grafting and, and he obviously, he can speak. He's a gift of the gab. Uh, Bat says is great to, to talk about the game, but he's very passionate. So the last year I was there, he was doing the second team. He invited me along when I'd been injured to, to help sort of that mentoring role. And he has got a good cricket brain and I feel like he'll run it a bit like a Morgan or a Stokesy would captain kind of thing. Leg back, not take a defeat too serious. Or we'll take it serious, but not being too stressed about it. Uh, let the players sort of run the show, uh, let Burnsy run that show. Uh, and yeah, he very passionate uh, and I got on well with Bat. So I'm very happy for the club and also happy for him and Stu.
1: Final one from me, Liam, before I hand over to Harmy. And we won't hold you to this and we're not asking you to be a, 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 a soothsayer and tell us and read the future. But if everything goes very well or even extremely well with major league cricket, how do you see it going over the next five years, 10 years?
3: Probably how you guys would see I feel like each major city will get a good franchise team or the, the, the main areas, the main travel hubs will get a good franchise team. You go from six to seven, to eight and so on. And you get to a point where you don't want too much team to dilute it, but you've got a strong... Like, this is just me. I don't know what the end goal is for the guys above me and what their, their plans are, but you've got 10 solid teams or 12 teams that are playing good competitive cricket. You've got great stadiums around. This filters into USA being a successful team and being in top 10 down the line. And it's a, a true cricket nation where you can be across here with good good facilities, good teams and a good international team. So that that's where, where i see it.
2: I think finally from me, I just want to know, like Man has mentioned before, the last sort of year and a bit, two years of your cricket career, very similar to mine where I, I hated the game, I resented it and got out of it. And I, it took me a while to get my head around it. You seem to be in a good place and I just want to know you know, what sort of place Liam Plunkett is in right now because I think he left this country probably not enjoying cricket.
3: Uh, you know, when I went to Surrey, that's in terms of the way like Yorkshire, Durham, excellent clubs. Surrey towards the, So I'll go back to I think each team was exactly where I need to be at that time of my career. And Surrey, exactly the same. Uh, Surrey sort of, Stewie brought me in to play them. Last few years, I was bowling as good as I have been because I was in the World Cup year, so it was bowling nicely. But he also probably seen the mentoring role for me. And then COVID hit, wasn't at the ground too much, uh, but but they were excellent. So the f- last few years, my cricket wasn't as good as I want to be with injuries. So obviously, that puts you in a bad frame anyway. But behind the scenes, I was obviously dealing with the American stuff that was exciting me. So I was always like chipping, do you know what I mean? I was always thinking there's big things ahead here. Uh, I was also like putting my head in the books a little bit to study. Uh, so that kept me entertained. But yeah, I mean you always want to be at top of your mark, knowing that you can run up and ball as quick as you can. And when you start bowling 80 miles an hour and someone who didn't use two sets on the front front stool and pumps you over long on, it's never nice. But uh I feel in a good spot. It it's exciting <clears throat> every day. Uh people are reaching out to me as a as a new step in uh, the world of major league cricket, where it's just growing. And uh yeah, as so I know I appreciate it. I feel in a good place. I'm I'm happy. So it's it's actually nice to be in the same country as my wife. So that, that's always a good start, also. <laughs>
2: Mate, it's brilliant to have you on, and we're always here, and we'll always be shouting the you know, the the US uh, US cricket because of, because of you and what you've done for it.
3: No, and no, I appreciate, Harman, mate. It's, it's obviously great to speak to you. Uh, i I learned a lot from you growing up, so I appreciate you guys having me having me on and uh, speaking about Major League Cricket.
1: Well, we can see why Major League Cricket have got you, Liam. If your enthusiasm is as infectious as it has come across over the last half an hour. It will be a success. Thank you so much for your time.
3: Cheers. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you.
1: Gee, Harmy, I thoroughly enjoyed that. He looks like and sounds like a, a man who's very happy with his role at the moment.
2: Yeah, I loved it. I really did. I I, I spoke to him straight after and said to him, you know, a few messages with him saying it's amazing what a good place and astounding place he he was. And now we listened to it on the you know, listen to it on the radio. We did it. You know, we, we spoke to him on Zoom as well, and we could see the, the glint in his eye. You know, these facial expressions, just the way he looked, he looked in he looked in a really good place. And I'm I'm so pleased for him because, from a, a career point of view, you know, he had his ups and downs. Personal point of view, he's had his ups and downs. Um, family, you know, mum and dad have been have been you know through the the mill. Um, from a, a health point of view, and here is somebody I've known since he was sort of a 13, 14 year old and to see him in a place and listen to him talk the way he is about American cricket and the, the, the sort of freshness in his face. and uh, I spoke to uh, Haley, my wife, and said, wow, wow. I, just, I was just amazed by how good he looked and, and how good he sounded. And that from from somebody who has had his troubles w- was amazing. It really was. And he's gone to a good project. There. He is a really good project. And if you could get Major League, if you could get that off the ground, we've always said, if we could get cricket into the Olympics, then the Americans might get a hold of it. But if you could get cricket into America, where this game could go would be frightening. Um, and fingers crossed, hopefully, with a bit of help,
1: Liam can get that get that moving forward. You've been listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler, Steve Harmison. And if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back at the same time next week when we look back at the first test between England and Pakistan. But for now, this has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport
0: 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today.
5: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.